I guess the main thing is just to think positive, not think of the negative things and the, the bad things that are going to happen. Just think of the times that, and try and focus on the times that when things did work and how what you did to get to that point and have a, a much more positive outlook on what you've done and know that you've done this before in different events and at home and it's something that you can do and, and picture that and and try and focus on, on those things and not focus on what could go wrong. Just focus on how to do things correctly. And if things don't go right, just try and learn from your mistakes and go forward from that. There is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored. As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration. Deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade, something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. Margie Engel's career bio might read something like a wish list for young riders wanting to achieve success in their own careers. More than 220 Grand Prix victories to her credit, a 10-time American Grand Prix Association Rider of the Year, and more medals than most people have fingers and toes combined. But the one thing she doesn't seem to have enough of is knowledge. In getting to chat with Margie about her storied career, I learned that learning is her thing. It's the not-so-secret weapon in her arsenal, and she uses it every chance she gets. Her longevity in the sport is due to many factors, but her embracing the notion that equestrians can always learn and adapt has given the blueprint to others and shown one of the reasons why she's a living legend. We talked about how she works harder now to stay in competitive shape, what she has learned from her horses that's kept her at the top, how she's tuned out negative thinking when it comes to her injury history, and how she has focused on the positives to get the job done. A large part of our conversation is spent talking about the partnership she's enjoyed with her horse Royce, part champion and part class clown. (laughs) And by crediting the awareness of horses and how attuned they are to their rider, Margie shows just how much of a symbiotic partnership it really is for the horse and human. I hope you are able to soak up the knowledge and the humor from this conversation because there is lots of both. It is my absolute pleasure to say this. Margie Engel, welcome to Hitting Your Stride. All right, Margie Engel, thank you so much for joining me today on Hitting Your Stride. Thank you very much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure for me. So yes, let's get it started. The first question I have for you is what kind of person do you have to be in order to be open to learning what a horse has to teach you? And what does a difficult horse teach you about yourself that a quote unquote nice horse can't? Well, I think one of the biggest things you have to, to be is open-minded and uh, learn to ha- listen to the horses by their body language and be, you know, just open to learning and trying new things. And you have to have a lot of patience and, and uh, learn their body language and the signals they give you just 
a lot of it's just from being around them. You know, they teach you something all the time just by their reactions. Absolutely. The, I and mean, I think, sorry, when you said being around them all the time, it's like, I don't know, sharing a, a, they speak a different language than us, but it's almost like knowing how they speak, correct? Absolutely. It's like learning a different language and it's reading their body language and how they react to different things. And, and just by being around them, I learned the most actually working with horses, just with the grooming and grazing and, and, and just watching them a lot of times in the paddock and in their stalls and, and just how they reacted to different things that, that people did and other horses did with them. And, and it's just kind of get developing a horse sense more or less. What do the more difficult horses teach you better than the ones that are a bit more easygoing? Well, the easy ones are pretty much easy for, for everybody. And, <laughs> and as you get older, you, you learn to enjoy that, that much more. But the difficult ones are actually quite a challenge. And they teach you perseverance. They teach you patience. They teach you not any one type of way of doing things always works. You have to think outside the box and, and try by trial and error to see what works with each horse and learn how their different personalities that they react differently to different situations where one might, something might work with one horse. It's not going to work with another. And it just teaches you to try new things. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. So where did the idea of not saying no to anything come from with your riding? Were you trying to prove yourself by taking on every challenge that came your way? Or was that just you wanting to soak up every bit of knowledge you could, including potential failures and injuries? I think it was basically a little bit of everything from the time <laughs> I was I was young. I, I always wanted to be, I had two older brothers and that I looked up to quite a bit and I always wanted to be like them. And, and if I, I did, and I wanted to play different sports with them at which they didn't want me to, cause they were afraid my parents were, they were going to get in trouble if I got hurt or something. Um, so whatever they told me, I couldn't because either I wasn't big enough or strong enough, or they were afraid I was going to get hurt or it wasn't good enough. I would just go, go home and practice it, whether it was, playing tennis against the garage door or throwing the baseball better by throwing it at a tire. I just practiced it all the time till, till I got good, you know, acceptable enough to be able to play with them. And, and uh, then you just kind of learn to work through it. And I, I guess to some degree, a lot of it you know, was just a little bit of my stubbornness growing up because it's <laughs> like the more someone would say, no, you can't do it. The more you want to prove them wrong. And, and you believe that you can do it. And it's just, you know, I really believe where there's a will, there's a way. And you just have to work around it. You know, if you don't do something, it doesn't come easily. You just have to really practice more and more at it and find a way to work around it. So obviously being stubborn <laughs> didn't get in the way of your desire to acquire knowledge. True. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the more knowledge you have, the the better adept you'll be at something. And, and if it didn't come easy, you just, you know, you learned by being, like I said, being around the horses. 
I read books all the time, whatever I had to do to be around them, whether I could sit through other lessons or watch by the the rail when people were schooling their horses at horse shows. At, at, I tried to go to the top horse shows and even offered to, to groom for free just so I could watch the top riders and, and mm-hmm. watch not all of them do things the same way either. They all do things a little bit differently. And, and then you try them out and see what works best with which horse and what works best for you. What would work for a very tall person may not work as well for me being shorter. So you have to learn uh, to work with what you have and what you've been given. And you just have to do things by trial and error and see, see what works the best for you and for that particular horse and take each one as an individual. So do you find that you still have that inkling now? I mean, after all these years, do you enjoy going by and sitting at the ring and watching your colleagues work and, and, you know, take those challenges like you do? Oh, absolutely. You can learn something new all the time. And our, you know, our sport is always evolving. It's a, it's a type of industry that you can't stay in the past. The courses change, the horses, the type of horses we have change. The, the type of courses that you do change just through evolution and, and just over time, everything it gets a little different. Some, some things get a little better, some things maybe not, but it's, it's always changing. So you have to, to go along with the changes and, you know, be willing to watch different people and how they do things and, and see you, you have different horses that you're always, it's always a challenge and it's always trying different things with them. So you might get a different idea for, from someone. It doesn't matter who they are or, or what stage. I know even in other disciplines, I learned a lot. I have a cowboy that's working with some of the young horses, and that's how I started off with uh, breaking young horses. And a lot of what I did was by trial and error, and I let the horses teach me basically what worked and what didn't. And he has different ideas of how to do things, and it's very interesting. I watch him all the time when he's working with the horses, both on the ground they do a lot of work on the ground before they ever get on them which we did too growing up when i was was a kid but i i learned a lot uh by his system and it's it's a totally different discipline but they're still working with the same animal and just watching the responses and how he's very good with changing even on the ground how he works with the different ones to get their trust but still have their respect and let them learn what's their space and what's his face and and it's just different ideas and it's it's all interesting and it's all gaining more knowledge the more knowledge you have the the better it is no matter what you're doing so i guess it's fair to say then that the more adapt sorry the more successful riders are pretty good at being adaptable oh for sure you have to i think in every aspect of our our industry and 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 the sport because it is always changing it's not something that's ever staying still it's not something that's going to be the same sport today as it is tomorrow or as it was yesterday and every horse is is different too so you have to be able to adapt not just to the changes in the industry but you know adapt to the each individual horse yeah yeah absolutely all right. So can you pinpoint the time in your career that you felt like you'd made it to where you wanted to be? Or is that always something of a moving target? I'm curious to know how someone who has accomplished as much as you have stays hungry to keep getting better. Can you share your insights on this with us? 
I don't know if anyone ever feels like you've accomplished enough in this industry. It is, it is somewhat of a moving target and it's something that you're always learning and it, and each day is, is kind of a new journey and, and you're learning new things about the horses, but it, it's something that you have to stay hungry about if you, you want to keep trying to get better. And, and if you're in something, whatever you're doing, you want to try and do it to the best of your ability. So you have to, to keep, you know, going along and, and trying to learn as much as you can from, from the horses every day and from the other people around them. And it's just something I think that comes from within you having that drive and, and the passion for it that, that you want to do it better, not just for yourself, but for the horses themselves. Because the, the better that you're able to understand them and communicate with them, the better that they're going to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I love the whole aspect of of the moving target. And yeah, I think when you love something as much as you do, or you know anybody does right now, listening to this to this episode, thinking about the things they enjoy in your life. You know, I, I don't know. I think that's it's an always interesting. It's a drive to want to do better. Like how, what can I do to either better myself to make me better for my horse or how can I maybe help my horse be better? Yeah. And, and I think it's a really neat way too to look at the community of riders and how you can learn from each other. Absolutely. And, and all the riders are, they're, they're very good about sharing their knowledge and and even when we walk the courses, everybody kind of communicates together. And and because once you're on course, it's really you and your horse against the course. It's not so much that you're thinking about competing against other riders, but it's always trying to get better and gain knowledge. And and they're usually very good about sharing that. And and it's it's a great industry in that respect. But I think you know, as growing up, it was very difficult for me to be able to even ride. I think the the harder something is for you to be able to get to and to be able to do sometimes the more meaningful it is and you try and enjoy and soak up every moment that, while you're involved with it yeah. and just being able to ride the horses and be able to be involved with them and I was so passionate and, and so obsessed with them <laughs> as a kid it, it just wants you make you try and use every moment with them to to be the best you can. Oh, I love this. All right, Margie, you've enjoyed a vast amount of success in the ring. A 2021 U.S. Show Jumping Hall of Fame inductee, a 10-time American Grand Prix Association Rider of the Year, more than 220 Grand Prix victories and a slew of medals from various international competitions, only to name a few. So it's it's fair to say that your reputation as a rider precedes you, but that's not all you are. How different is your self-image compared to what others see when they look at you? Um, it's difficult to say. You don't always think about all your compliment, uh, you know, your accomplishments. You're always trying to think of what you can do to be better. And I think when, when you try and think of your own self-image, you're just always trying to be a better person in general, you know, and try and give back to the industry because it's something that's given so much to me. And and just you know maybe help out other kids that things are a little bit difficult for and and help be supportive in the industry in any way you can as far as being involved with committees and and um just trying to do right by the industry and keep things going in a positive direction 
Okay. So let me, so let me just say this. So when your name ever comes, comes up, or I've heard any of, you know, my, my professional riders who are my massage clients working and they talk about Margie. I mean, here's some of the words people mention fiery, spunky, stubborn, a real <laughs> goer. <laughs> you know, like I saw Matt Cohn last week and he said, Trace, how's your podcast going? Cause he was on here back at the beginning. Uh-huh. And I said, Oh, you know, I've got Margie Engel coming on. He's like, Whoa, that's going to be a fun, <laughs> fun episode. <laughs> so, you know, when you hear people talk to, uh, you know, mention you or talk, like describe you like that, what does that feel or what does that mean to you? Well, that, that means a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's very nice, nice, you know, to have people being so supportive, like I said, in this industry and we do, there's a lot more camaraderie than people see just when they see you in the ring. And it's nice. You know, we joke around together, we play poker together we, <laughs> and, and everyone's very supportive of one another. You know, it's a, it's a great industry and, and everyone does kind of root for each other if they can't be in the jump off and they're rooting you on and it's it's just nice to be a part of all this and and like I said if you can be involved in any positive way to help the industry and and help it be seen in a good way it, all the better yeah it's just it's and you know I mean to do anything you have to be a little bit uh you have to have a, a little bit of grit and you have to be able to take this is a, a sport with a lot of a lot more downs than there are ups, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in this sport and you have to be able to kind of just grit your teeth and, and get through it and just try and figure out different ways that, that to make things work. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely grit and, uh, and gumption and all that kind of stuff. And like in the sheer physical talent too. I mean, what the bodies I think of these show jumpers go through as you're, you know, flying over those oxers or 13 obstacles. I mean, it's a lot of physical work. Oh, for sure. And, and as you get older, it's, it's even more demanding. And for sure, I have to work out more now than I did uh, with a lot more physical therapy, but between all the injuries and, and with age than, than I did when I was younger. And it's something that you're always learning different things you have to work through to, to keep yourself in good enough shape to compete um, for these animals and not get in their way and, and try and be the best you can be for them. Yeah. Okay. So I have had the pleasure and I know you this, no, I know you know this of chatting with your husband, Dr. Steve Engel on mm-hmm. this show before. And he told me a bit about the relationship you two enjoy both personally and professionally. Now, from your perspective, what does having him there to work with do for you as a rider, but also from the point of view of being able to directly share the good and the challenging times with him as they happen? Well, it's kind of invaluable. You know, it's, 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 it's hard to describe. Um, but it's really, I don't think I could be involved in this industry without him. And, and it's nice to have someone that's supportive that kind of is at the horse shows and understands about the horses. And I can discuss things that are bothering the horses. And he's so good with working with them um, physically. And he can feel things that you maybe you can't really explain to someone, but that he can sense just by when he works on them with the chiropractics and he can feel physically and you can discuss these things and talk over how to make them feel as as comfortable as possible 
also and it, it's it's a you know it's, it's hard to describe it as as just what specific things there are and and he does see at the horse shows how many ups and downs there are with different people and nice to have someone to talk things over with with that and and to see you know when you're getting frustrated to know the times when it's a good time to leave you alone and then when times <laughs> when you do want to talk about it and to be able to just go over all these things because it there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of traveling and there's a lot of things that that are difficult in this industry but the rewards are so immense and and it is so rewarding working with these animals and and how they are it's it's just nice to have someone to to talk it over with absolutely and to share it with yeah and someone that you know where the trust is is there yeah and, and that I'm... understands how understands about the horses you know if to be involved with someone that that really didn't understand about horses and everything would be very difficult to be in this business yes and you know be with that person all that all the time because it's a difficult thing to explain yeah yes whenever I have the opportunity um Steve is very gracious he's like well if you're ever around and He's like, I can follow him around and observe what he does is, and his chiropractic work and his way with the horses is just amazing. I just have so much respect for no, him. It, so. it, the, absolutely. And the, I've seen things that he's done to horses that it's, it's like people describe it as magic and it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how the horses feel after he works on them. And I've tried to have other people and, and, and it's nowhere near, it's not, you know, at all the same, but it's, it's, unbelievable how they feel after he does work on them and yeah. the horses really appreciate it too a lot of them kind of thank him almost as by kind of putting their heads in his lap and yes and that's their way of saying thank you and 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 just the way they feel is is unbelievable ah what a gift I know the last time I had the opportunity to follow him around and observe we did I follow he did a few horses and he's like all right now I gotta go do Margie's horses <laughs> He's like, I got to get those done. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Well, they, they really appreciate it as, as much as I do, but they, they really, it, it does really genuinely help them and, and they love it. And it's just, it's just not something that you can describe to someone or teach someone. It's more a matter of feel. Yes, Absolutely. All right, so you've talked about a number of your equine partners before, ones like Daydream, Salute, and Hidden Creek's Laurel. You enjoyed success with each of them, and I imagine you learned plenty from them as well. But did any of them fundamentally change the way you rode or how you approached the sport? I think pretty much all of them did. I mean, they all they all had their own personalities and needed to be ridden a certain way, and same thing when I started, I rode so many different types. And at the beginning, when I started out, I pretty much got uh, the horses that other people didn't want to ride. Either they were too difficult or they they thought didn't have the ability to do something. So you learn to try and get the most out of each one that you could. So uh, I think ones like Daydream and maybe Salute, because they, they taught me to be a little bit aggressive, Daydream was a very large horse that that needed a strong ride he was very scopy but he he and he was very very kind but he he kind of liked a little stronger ride uh salute was 
extremely intelligent and and um, very quick on his feet, but and and very very careful and and probably one of the most intuitive horses I've ever ridden. He would I could almost think of things and he would do them without me even asking them. He could almost read my mind. Wow. And uh, but he but he what he lacked in scope. He maybe wasn't as scopy as Daydream, but he was so careful and had such a big heart. He made up for in heart and carefulness. I mean, he could, he probably won more to date than any horse I've ever ridden. I could run him flat out and he, he was just so smart with turning and backing up at the jump and so careful and always wanted to try and please. And it, you could go flat out and then pull up and two seconds later when you wanted him to stand, he would stand there and pose and he loved the attention of the crowd and everything. Wow. Um, Laurel was kind of our princess. She was a, a really <laughs> lovely mare to ride. And she was a, a little bit delicate, both mentally and physically, but all the quality had a great technique and went around beautifully. But she, she taught us, you know, a lot of patience. You had to deal with everything very quietly, even in a schooling area, you couldn't do very much. She didn't like being around all the other horses that much. She got very nervous about that. Uh, she didn't like too much pressure on her, so you would have to be able to do only a few jumps, and and uh, she would almost hold her breath when she got nervous about things, so you, wow. I'd have to walk in the ring and just let her kind of take a breath, and once she was in the ring by herself, she was unbelievably nice and and had so much quality, and and she she was fantastic. She, you know, did well in Europe and other nations, cups all all over the world and was a lovely, lovely type of mare to ride. You just had to do things her way, but she was very delicate mentally. And, you know, you had to do things a certain way and be very patient and not rush with her. And, and uh, you had to pick the times you went fast and, and they, they just all teach you something different. Okay. So what about your current roster in particular? Can you share your insights with your longstanding partner, Royce? Well, Royce has been amazing. He's got, he's another horse very similar to Perrin, but he's a stallion, you know, he, he, how he's different is being a stallion. Yeah. Um, but both of them were extremely scopy and, and uh, he has all the power and ability. He has a very funny personality. I think <laughs> if he was a person, he'd be a comedian. He's just always, it's hard for him to take things too seriously. Everything's like kind of, he's just playing around like a big kid. He, he loves to grab things, and and I know even when I've done interviews, he's grabbed the mic before. He, he's when they go to give him a bath, he'll sometimes grab the bucket with the sponge and the shampoo and ca- help carry it over with them. And and he's just he's just a really funny horse to be around. Um, he can still be a stallion, and he he when we first got him, he was a little bit difficult because he didn't get a chance to to use his personality. He was kept pent up and being a stallion he would get a little too full of himself and uh got a little rambunctious when he you know was kept in all the time so we had to actually build a uh, round pen for him to be able to go out and just be a horse and and play and roll around and and then he eventually learned to go in the bigger paddock but he was he's so big and powerful I don't think he knew how strong he was and and then he would almost hurt himself from getting a little too wild I, I Adamson's 
he was seven. So we're going on 13 years together and he's yeah. always shown at the five-star level and he's been an amazing horse. I don't know too many horses that have shown at that level for that many years and, and with no injuries, he, he had never had any soft tissue injuries and wow. he's just very, very solid. And, and you never walk in a course and think there's something he couldn't jump, but his personality is, is really something amazing. I mean, everyone that works for me always loves him and he's just, he's just a funny horse to be around. And now one of his babies has got very similar personality. We kind of call him the clone because oh. he, he does similar type things. He's, they, he's another, uh, he's a two-year-old at this point, but even like in the paddock, he, they're funny the way they both will lay down and start grazing even when they're laying down like a big puppy dog. And, and he runs around in the paddock with a, a, a Bernie that takes care of the horses down there. She put this one of those big balls in his paddock yeah. and he pushes it around and kicks it around like a soccer player. I, I've never seen a horse play with a ball the way he does. I mean, he's just, he's just, you know, he, he's just a funny horse to be around. And he's, I hope, I hope once he starts being ridden, he could take things a little more seriously, but, but he's got a very similar personality to Royce that and everything's so just kind of a big name for them. No, well, no, I he's, I could watch him all day long. Well, I know you're um, on your social media when you share little videos of Royce. I think one of the ones I saw that made me laugh was him when he got home in his paddock or something and he was bouncing around and, you know, kind of doing oh, these. Oh, yeah, things. he looks like a bunny rabbit. Yeah, exactly. He can jump up and down and he can he can do things like leap straight up in the air from a standstill and play <laughs> around and he, he just he just has a good time and he loves life. You know, he has. He, he just is, is a happy horse. It's, it's kind of funny. He makes you smile when you see him. And he just does a lot of funny things. Well, I bet you he could say all sorts of wonderful things about you too, because I'm sure he's so <laughs> happy because of the relationship you two have and the opportunity he gets to share his talents with, with the world. Well, he's just, he's a fun horse to be around and, and it's, nice to be able to let him express himself and, and, and be a horse and just en enjoy things. And he, he doesn't, he, you know, he loves to jump. It's so easy for him. He just kind of plays over him. He's so powerful and, and so scopy, but at, at times he doesn't even know his power. I remember when we first got him and it was a strong leather halter. He, he's so physically strong. He just kind of yawned and, and the whole thing just was like paper, just ping, ping, it all broke because he yawned uh, too big and, and it was maybe a little too tight on him. Wow. It, 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 he, he didn't even, he didn't pull back or do anything wrong. It was just him being him. He's just a, a big, strong horse. He's uh, a big boned horse and, and he's playing with, we had one of those refrigerators as a small refrigerator, but still very heavy. But like I said, everything goes in his mouth and he was playing with that and he picked it up off the ground with his mouth. just. <laughs> playing with it I mean I, and I, I mean it's hard for a person to pick it up but he it was like nothing for him so he, he just does a lot of funny things so it, as you're describing him sort of comes to mind is with you with your smaller stature how did you two come together like is there ever a horse that you say no that's maybe a little too much I highly I probably know the answer to this question but like <laughs> how did you two find each other and were you at all like whoa this guy like how'd you how'd you develop that partnership 
Well, when you like a horse enough, you you try and learn to adapt and and not let you know the size. We're none of us are big and strong enough to make them do something that they don't want to. So because he's big and strong and and I am smaller, I had to uh, with the help of Lisa uh, Wilcox, who does dressage, she helped me a lot with the the flat work with him to get him much more responsive to the aids, both. Okay going forward and and collecting and and just get him kind of like I got more power steering and power power <laughs> brakes and all of those things and and you just have to spend more time with them on the flat and getting them better broke so uh they're more responsive to you and and make them want to do the job and and make them enjoy doing things cuz like I said no matter how big and strong you are if they don't want to do it they don't have to Right. So you have to figure out ways to to have them enjoy what they're doing. And that's something I learned at an early age with a lot of horses that were sent to me. People think that, that I always look for these large stallions or big, heavy horses. That's, that's not really what I look for. It's just a lot of times what I was sent because other people didn't want to ride those types. <laughs> and, and you learn to try and adapt and, and you learn to try and figure out other things that will work with them. And and using your body language and using leverage in a different way. And uh, it's a lot of it's just by trial and error, but, but a lot of it's through a lot of slow flat work and, and work with the horses on the ground and, and teaching them to get responsive with, with voice. I was really more worried about with the people that were taking care of him because when I watched him, he was very difficult on the ground because he was so big and strong it was hard they I remember she said she, he couldn't be turned out and you couldn't take him out for grass because he, he would he was just full of himself so we just had to learn and that's what I was more worried about I always loved when I saw him as a six-year-old the talent he had and and the heart and the scope and everything and and it was something I had I had actually tried to get him for over half a year and and then moved off because I had helped her sell other horses and she kind of worked something out with me where I was able to get him later. But um, he was always a horse that I thought had a lot of talent, but it, it, so it was a very long process to get the rideability in the realm where, where we were able to kind of contain all that talent. Wow. Both ma- mainly on the ground was almost more difficult than the rideability. But hmm. the rideability is something, you know, we work on forever and, and, uh, that's something that Lisa Wilcox has been fantastic in helping me uh, get better with him. And she's done an, a great job with him with his flat work and getting him responsive and, and getting him more rideable. Wow. A dancing and she dynamo. continues to help me with quite a, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's something she continues to help me with quite a few of the horses. And, That's and like I said, through different disciplines, you can get help from a lot of different people. Like, she helps me with the flat work with a lot of the horses with the dressage. And then I have Dana that, that helps Glass with the, he helps me with uh, breaking a lot of the young horses or with a lot of the groundwork. And he's, he's a cowboy, but does a lot of great work with the horses. And it's all different aspects of, of working with the horses, but it's, it's all beneficial in the end result. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a team that helps do all this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you form a relationship with the horses and just by being around them and seeing like, like I learned early on that when you form that partnership and you're around them and you learn their likes and dislikes from the ground, 
it definitely helps you when you're, you're riding them. It, it's very beneficial. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was lovely. Okay. So you've mentioned earlier a little bit about, you know, dealing with some injuries and stuff. And over the years, you've <laughs> experienced a ruptured disc, a broken shoulder and arm, a gash on your back and with some broken ribs. So did that kind of physical punishment leave any kind of lasting mental or emotional damage that you still deal with? And what kind of mindset do you adopt to handle that part of the, your job or your love of horses? You know, it, it's something that I really try and just tune out. It's not something I think about. Maybe I need more self-preservation or <laughs> something. I'm not really quite sure. Uh, but it's something even when I was younger that, that, you know, you, you don't really think about when I played football around the block with the, the older kids around the block, it wasn't, it wasn't something you ever thought about. And if I showed that I was injured, then I wouldn't be able to play with them, you know, cause they were worried about getting in trouble <laughs> and, uh, they would say, Oh no, you're, she's too fragile. So you have to learn to just kind of deal with it. And, and the, the biggest thing with that is just trying to follow up and doing the physical therapy. It, it wasn't something that ever, I ever kind of thought about that it was going to stop me from doing it. I just had to do a lot of physical therapy to work through it and get the body stronger in the areas that it was frustrating, you know, when, when you get hurt and you hope that through time and getting a little wiser, you don't get on and take on quite so many of the horses that that you probably shouldn't have ridden and take as many chances as as you do when you're you try and learn from some of the mistakes because most of the injuries that I had could have probably been prevented if I just thought about them a little more and had like I said had a little more self-preservation there were things like when the footing wasn't just right and and I would compete anyway because someone wanted the horse to go or I knew something wasn't right with the horse beforehand. And, and then, you know, a lot of times I would go just because the, the different trainers would want me to. So you just yeah. learn over time that, that, you know, it's, it's not really worth it because then you're out for a while after that. So you just try and go along with it. And, and for the most part, I've tuned out most of the injuries. If, if I thought about all of them all the time, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't still be doing much of this. <laughs> So, I mean, I've been in the horse world for a long time. I was a rider for many years. And, and then, you know, I, I know a lot of people who, who struggle a little bit with self-confidence and a little bit of anxiety in the saddle and, and the fear of, you know, not knowing what's going to happen in a particular moment during a course or a test, et cetera. Is there any like little piece of advice that you could give those people that struggle with what you obviously don't like, is there something you could share for them to hear right now? I guess the main thing is just to think positive, not think of the negative things and the, the bad things that are going to happen. Just think of the times that, and try and focus on the times that when things did work and how, what you did to get to that point and have a, a much more positive outlook on what you've done and know that you've done this before in different events and at home and it's something that you can do and, and picture that and, and try and focus on, on those things and not focus on what could go wrong. Just focus on how to do things correctly. And if things 
don't go right. Just try and learn from your mistakes and go forward from that. I mean, yeah. there's always going to be mistakes, but think of them as, as building blocks and, and try and go forward from that, but, but try and have more of a positive experience. I, I, I think a lot of times when people get too anxious and they're just thinking negatively and then it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're thinking what could go wrong, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But you got to believe that these are things that you've done before. And most of the time when you're competing or you're showing, they are things that you've done before and things that have gone well. And, and that's what you want to focus on. And those are the things that you want to think about going forward. Not, yeah. you know, we, we don't know in life anything what something is always around the corner can go poorly, but you have to just think positively and, and think how nice it'll be when it goes, goes well. Yeah. And I think but, I mean, maybe... there, there's no guarantees in anything. I mean, you, you could be walking down the street and get hit by a car or whatever, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's always something that could happen, but you don't want to, you know, you want to focus on the positive things and not, and try and stay, keep your mind away from the negative parts. Well, that, and, and I think too, like totally what you just said, but you know, sometimes I, you might just have to grit your teeth and just do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you are. Proof. I mean, that's the only way to get through things is to do it. And then you prove to yourself that you can do it. Yeah. All right. So it's not going to always be easy. Nothing, nothing worth anything is ever easy. I mean, it's, it, it, and it means more that, like I said, sometimes the harder something is and, and, and you have to be able to think about things as an accomplishment. If you are worried about the test or whatever, maybe just getting through that test and realizing nothing terrible happened. Even if you didn't win, that's, that's winning a battle right there. Yeah. You know, if they, if they are worried about, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this test and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and you grit your teeth and get through it and, and you realize, you know what, nothing terrible happened. I, I can do this. I, maybe I didn't win this class, but I, if I did this a little better and, and got visualized the, the positive things that could happen and, and focused on that, it, it, it does work out. Have you and ever those worked, are all accomplishments. Have you ever worked with a sports psychologist or someone to help you with your mindset in this, or is this all of a natural source for you? I have not, um, but I, I guess growing up with the two older brothers, you just kind of developed a <laughs> strong psychology about it on your own to some degree. But I do have different clients that I, I say to them that it's a good thing for them to work with sports psychologists and it's a proven fact that it's worked for both or, or a, a lot of different sports yeah I mean people now use it where they never did before in all kinds of, of sports not just in in our industry but our industry when you're working with a live animal and it's large and everything I I think it's very beneficial for for lots of different people yeah okay all right, and so there's nothing wrong with it. People, I just read an article, uh, and before it was popular, I think it was from Pierre Durand from uh, France that wrote Japaloup, but he was saying how when he first was seeing a sports psychologist, and he was he wasn't a professional, he didn't do this full time, but um, they all kind of looked at him strange. It was it was quite a few years ago, maybe in the late '80s, oh. and he said that. And, and he was able to compete against all these top professionals and, and he was always able to handle the pressures of 
world championships, Olympics, all those places. And, and it wasn't a, a full-time profession for him. And a lot of how he got through that was through sports psychology. He did know enough about business and about other sports to do that. And, and now it's kind of the norm. Now a lot of people do that, but that's one of the things that where the sport is evolving. And I think it is beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've had um, a sports psychologist on this podcast and, you know, a few um, like psychologists slash social workers, just helping people deal, you're giving advice and helping people deal with the, um, anxiety. I think a lot of times just for where people get to talk about it openly with someone that they, they feel isn't going to judge them is, is beneficial. Yeah. Just sometimes being able to voice those, those thoughts. Yep. For sure. It's a very, and learn that there's not something wrong with them, that it's something that a lot of people go through. Yep. Yes, it is. All right. So earlier, Margie, we talked about um, what horses can teach us, but I'm curious what you think is the biggest thing that we as riders or horse people can impart to them in return. What can we Well, they give us an unconditional love. I think we have to do the same for them and show them the same empathy that they kind of give us. And they give us so much of their heart and, and unconditional love and, and they're trying hard for us and, and believing in, in what we're asking them to do. I think that we have to believe in them too. I think the more you believe in them and, and the better things you, you make for them and better and more comfortable you keep them and physically, mentally, and happier that they are, the, the better they're going to treat you and, and perform in, in respect for that. Yeah. I mean, you have to respect, you really have to respect them and you really have to appreciate everything that they do for you. I've, I've been around long enough on the bigger scene, um, following my clients around to horse shows and stuff that I have had the unfortunate opportunity a lot of times to see, you know, the horses where they're treated a bit more like a tool or a vehicle. Yeah. That, that drives me crazy. And people yeah. take them for granted. I mean, they're, and it's, it's really sad because they're not a bicycle and they're not a tennis racket and you do have to build that relationship with them. I've tried to tell kids before, you know what, they do appreciate and they know when you like them and they know when you don't, they sense everything that you're feeling. If you're in a bad mood, maybe you need to just take a breath and step back and, and think about it before you get on. Cause they can sense when you're not, you know, feeling good about yourself, or even if you're feeling negative about them, if you don't think they're good enough, they're not going to think it either. They sense a lot more than people realize. And the more you can be around them and the more they like you, the harder they're going to try for you. Hmm. I mean, it's like a student in a classroom. I always compare it to a teacher that they have. If, if they like the teacher, they're going to learn a lot more from that teacher. If they don't like the teacher, they're probably going to tune out. But yeah. they're going to respond according to how you treat them. And the more you know about them and the more time you can spend with them, the better. You don't need to do that with a bicycle or tennis racket or something that doesn't have feelings. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I heard somebody told me the other day, she's a she's a wonderful horse person herself. And she said that horses can sense our heartbeat about four feet away. And that just really oh, for made, sure. I've seen yeah. it. And they can say, I mean, I've seen it with people that because a lot of my friends and a lot of my family have never been around horses and if they're tentative around they they can sense when they're a little bit cautious around them and then they kind of get a little fearful the horses themselves and they sense pretty much everything people are are feeling yeah yeah they're they're a wonderful mirror hopefully we're just aware enough to see it yeah and you have to appreciate that and and realize 90% of if they do something wrong is really your fault yeah <laughs> it's something you did you have to think back what did I do to 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 get here because uh. they're kind of an open book they're very realistic like you said it they mirror what what you're doing with them yeah and it's a result from how you've treated them or the training you put in or or things that you've done for the most part yeah yeah okay all right margie what's been the best part of this entire experience for you so far and does it live up to the picture you had in your head when you joined andrea marks at glade winds farm that first time <laughs> well it's just i think the best part is just being around animals that that i've always had a passion for and and uh andrea i'm still friends with and she's She's still there. It's funny. We both had a love for animals and and sports. And she's still she, what, she's not as involved with the horses now at this stage. But when she did come to visit me, actually a year or two ago, she did get on the horses again and still remembered how to ride and everything. But she does a lot with the animals, with with dogs and finding them homes and Aww. cats. And and she's still very involved with animals in general. But I think the the best part is just being able to have the horses in my life and and do something that I really enjoy you see people in jobs or doing things their whole life but it's it's a job and something they don't enjoy yeah. and this is something that I've been fortunate enough that's taken me all around the world and a lot of different places and a lot of met a lot of nice people all around and and you share that bond with most of the people in this that have been in for a long time or based on their love of the horses too. So you, you share that together and, and um, it's just, it's hard to put into words, but it's, it's nice to have this passion. And, and I, I've always enjoyed having something that, that I was really passionate about and that I could have in my life full time. Aww. So whereabouts are you? You're in Washington right now? Yes, we are at, at Capital Challenge in, in uh, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, which is called the Washington International. Okay. And uh, so we're here this week, and then we go to the National in Kentucky next week. Okay. So are you not going to the Royal? So, I know, I'm not sure if I'm going there this year. It's been a long year, and, <laughs> and uh, I don't have quite as many horses at the top level, and you have to kind of pick and choose what shows they go to. and. Right. Make sure that you don't ask too much of them and overextend them. That you you really have to think about the programs you want to have for them. And and like I said, you know, before you really have to think about how to keep them happy and at their best physically and mentally. You don't want to get them sour by overdoing. And yeah. and uh, so 
some years you maybe have to cut back a little bit on some of the shows you do, uh, depending on, I was fortunate for many years to have quite a few top horses at the top level. And, and it, it, it's a little bit of a, it goes through ups and downs with that. And they're getting more and more difficult to find top horses. You have more and more people riding all around the world and they're all looking for the same thing. And, uh, they're probably producing about the same amount of horses as they did when there were half as many people looking for them. Wow. So it's, it's getting more and more difficult to find the top horses and, and it's getting more costly, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, it's something that, that kind of dictates to you how many shows you can do a year or two, depending on what your string is Yeah. and trying to find that new diamond in the rough or the new nice one to bring <laughs> along is always not, not so easy. Well, it sounds like you have a few hanging out in your paddock at home. So that's exciting. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's, that's the hope and that's the dream. And it's, it's something that you are able to always work with. And it's a new challenge and, and always a new chapter in your life. That's awesome. Well, Margie, I have to say this is, I was so excited about this conversation and it has been an absolute honor. <laughs> and I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to uh, have this little chat with me today. No problem. I enjoyed talking to you and, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And good luck at that horse show. Thank you very much. So there you have it. I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics, as always with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching.